Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. And as I've been praying and preparing this week, I just had a sense that that hearing messages like that, hearing God's blueprint for family, hearing God's standard for our lives, hearing God's plan for revival. I mean, I was overwhelmed. Listen, I'm, I'm not normally an emotional person. I don't want you all to know that she is. You probably <laughs> noticed that. I, I have emotions. Listen, I, I'm a happy person. I'm very enthusiastic. You probably noticed that about me. I love to run around and I'm in three places at once and I love to delegate. But, you know, being overwhelmed, being overwhelmed, like I was overwhelmed by God's presence just then because God is really breaking us into something new. And we can prophesy about revival and I believe, I believe that that is a mandate God is still giving us. That's a mandate God's still calling us. I want to say us, every one of you, you've marked yourself for that mandate by turning up to church today. And it's a great one because you just walk out of here and you say, Lord, I'm ready for you. Use me for your glory. I say yes to you. That's all you have to do. It's as simple as that. But we we can listen to these messages and we can hear these words and it's a year of freedom. But we also still can live in a place where we feel like we haven't reached it yet. We can hear about God's plan for family and we can feel like, I believe in that. I know that. That's true. I see it in the scripture. But Lord, my life isn't like that yet. And what do we do is we can sometimes feel that we are living in the gap. Any of you ever been to London on the subway? On the subway, I sound American, on the tube. Yeah. The tube. And some stations you get to the station and they, the doors open and it says, mind the gap. <laughs> Welcome to bank, mind the gap. And, and I feel that some of us, we're, we're living in this place where we're trying to mind the gap. I'm believing for breakthrough for my family, Lord Jesus. I'm believing for breakthrough for my relationships, Lord Jesus. I'm believing for breakthrough and salvation for my children. But I feel like I'm I'm minding the gap all the time. I feel like there's this discrimination, this discrepancy, this difference between where I am and where God wants me to be. And I heard so clearly this week, God wants me to tell you that there is a scarlet thread that every one of you today can take hold of. Because God has a story of redemption. And so often we live our lives where we hide the gap. But God is saying he is about to cover the gap. He is about to make the difference in the gap. He is about to close the gap. And so I've got a message to encourage your heart. If you're ready, let's read together from the book of Joshua. Chapter 2, verse 1. God is removing feelings of uncertainness uncertainty, forgottenness, lacking weakness, anyone feeling outside. And we're going to begin to start to trace God's crimson cord for our lives. Let me just tell you what's happening at the end of this morning. I've got one of these for every one of you. And it is going to be something that you uh, keep before you. Use it as a bookmark in the Bible. Some of you, it's a great bookmark for my my latest chick literature. I don't read chick lit, by the way. 
cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother and your brothers and all your family into your house, if anyone goes out the door of your house in the street, his blood will be on their own heads and we will be innocent. But if your hand is laid, but if a hand is laid on anyone with you in the house, his blood will be on our heads. And if you report our mission, we will be released from the oath that you made us swear. Let it be as you say, she replied, and she went and sent them away. And when they had gone, she tied the scarlet cord in the window. I believe that she didn't wait any minute. She never knew the moment that God, the Lord and the heavens and the earth was going to act. And she was a person who wanted to make sure that she didn't miss out on God's plan. You know, God, would you make us a people of action? Today, would this be a day that you change things? Would you change things in our hearts? That we would be a church who really follows your word, tracks your word, and the things that you are doing and releasing to us, we would step into. So the spies went out into the hill country, stayed there three days until their pursuers had returned without finding them, having searched all along the road. The two men started back, came down from the hill country, crossed the river, and so they came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and reported all that had happened to them. And the Lord has surely delivered the entire land into our hands, they said to Joshua. Indeed, all who dwell in the land are melting in fear because of us. I want to preach to you a message from the life of Rahab, and it's this, broken no more. There are parts in our lives, I talked about the discrepancy, I talked about the difference, I talked about the gap. I believe that In some way or another, every one of us has those areas where we look at our lives and it's not yet at the fullness of what we believe God is calling it to be. And as I've said already, it's got nothing to do just with my own selfish nature or my own selfish belief. So often we can hear words and we can preach messages and and the, the center of that message is me, what I need to get from God. Let me tell you, God's going to give you all that you need, not because you're the king and the center, but because he's created you for his great purpose. So there is a place where we are looking at our lives and saying, God, I need to match up, but what do I do with that? And I want you to know that we can take a hold of this scarlet cord. All throughout the Bible, we see places and people who were lacking, who were less than, and things had never come into the fullness. And instead of doing what we probably think to ourselves, writing them off, God, in his great wisdom, actually looks for and searches out those places where there is a gap in our lives. I think I need to say that again. Someone needs to get a hold of this. When we experience weakness in our lives, we find it's so easy to write ourselves off. We find it so easy to hide that area. We find it so easy to say that, well, God's never going to use me. This preacher's talking about revival in Dudley. Well, God, he would use me if I had this in place in my life. If I had this sorted in my life. I want you to know, God actually looks for and searches out the broken things in our lives. Because those are the very places that he wants to mark with his redemptive nature. Our God is a redeeming God. And let me tell you, every time we see the redemptive narrative of God in the Bible, it is prophesying of the cross of Jesus Christ. Anyone ever heard of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Jacob, Israel. Yeah, it was Jacob, wasn't it? Yeah. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Trevor was preaching a couple weeks ago about the pioneer, the settler or the maintainer, and the pursuer. 
Let me just touch on that a little bit. These are the people who pioneered faith. These are called the patriarchs of the gospel, the father figures. Did you know God prophesied to Abraham that he would be a father of nations? Why do you think he chose Abraham? I believe he chose Abraham because he was the least and the smallest and his wife had a barren womb. Think about that. God prophesies something. You see, God's, God's nature is that he calls things that are not as though they are. What about his son, Isaac? Isaac was the chosen son. What does God tell his father Abraham to do? Take him up a hill, Mount Moriah, sacrifice him. Here we have the place where God is bringing about fullness and promise. And, and we, we come straight away into the weakness. Jacob is called to inherit the land, but did you know he didn't even have a birthright? He wasn't even the firstborn. And we see all these areas of weakness. We see all these areas of lack. But I want you to know that God chooses the weak things of the world in order to shame the strong. God chooses those things that are not as though they are. And so when you look at your life and when you hear the messages we've been speaking, you can sometimes feel like, but Ryan... But Anna, but Gary, but whoever's been speaking, I sometimes feel so weak. I want you to know God has got a scarlet cord that you can take a hold of. And because with God, his redemptive nature is at work in your life. And his second best, I don't know how God does this. His second best is better than his first. God's third plan is better than his first. God's 17th plan is better than his first. How do you do it, Lord God Almighty? I don't know, but I know that you do it. And sometimes we feel that we've missed the mark, we've messed the place, we've messed up, and I'm coming back to you, God, would you use me again for the 23rd time in the month of July? Anyone ever feel like that? I'm on my knees again, God. Rise, my redemptive nature is coming upon you. Would you receive the scarlet cord of God's blessing upon your life? Let me read that scripture in 1 Corinthians 26. Brothers, consider the time of your calling. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. Any princes among us? Queens? Princesses? All the princesses, let's be honest, are in kids' church right now. That's where they are. Not many of you were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Sometimes, Lord, he just has to remind me that I'm just one of those foolish people. I'm one of those foolish things because he's calling me to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly and the despised things of the world. The things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast in his presence. It's all because of Jesus. I'm, I'm preaching this message for people who have canceled themselves out. I'm calling you back into God's plan for your life. I'm preaching this message to people who feel marginalized. You know, Rahab was marginalized in this narrative in two ways. The first was she was a Canaanite. She wasn't even part of God's people group. The second was she was a prostitute. She was someone whose profession was sin. There are two places in our lives that we can get marginalized and God is breathing he's coming to the margins in your life and he's bringing you back together he is calling you broken no more he's calling us into wholeness even today there's two places if we look at the story of um, Rahab there's two areas of weakness that we can be marginalized and the first one like Rahab she was a Canaanite 
There, there are things that happen to our lives that are outside of our control. There are things that happen to our lives that are hands that we feel that we've been dealt. There are things that happen to our lives that we, we've got no, no control over, but they still can marginalize us. Things like the families that we were born in, things like our genetics, our DNA, things like the consequences of other people's choices. And that's why we've got to pray for our government. We've got to pray for our nation because so much of us, so many of us live underneath consequences and choices that we've got no control over. And we can sense that and we can believe that they make us weak and they can bring us into places where we disqualify ourselves. The things that aren't even our fault. And the result is that we get marginalized from society, marginalized from family, but most importantly, we get marginalized in our opinion of ourselves. We can feel we're not good enough. We haven't got it all together. We don't match up. God is coming to you in the midst of those places. The other area of weakness is, is sin. Our life choices can also marginalize us from God. We can feel far off. We can sometimes feel that we actually deserve the state of our lives, the way that we're living right now. We can feel dirty. We can feel that we can't change. But I want you to know that God looked at a prostitute in the Bible who was born in the wrong people group, and he saw her faith. And he extended Something that he never drops. A scarlet cord out to her. And she took it. She took a hold of it. God is doing the same. Let me tell you. You might be looking for a way out, but God's looking for a way in. You might be looking at your life and seeing weakness, and God's looking at you and he's seeing the potential for strength. You might be looking at your life and seeing a broken family, and God is saying, I'm coming to pour upon your life such a glory and such a gold that's going to begin to change things. Would you put that picture up? I want to show you this picture quick. As we begin to see our lives through God's perspective, through God's redemptive nature, this, this is a pot that was broken. And somebody thought, well, instead of, this is thousands of years ago, by the way, not this pot, but the idea. Somebody thought I could throw this pot away or I could mend it. But the only thing that was found that could mend it correctly was gold. And in the process, the pot has become more beautiful because of the breaking. This is an old Japanese art called Kintsungi. You've probably heard of it. But I want to put it up there because what, thanks so much, Pauline, you can take it down. What we can do is we can look at our lives and we know that we come from places of brokenness, places of weakness, and we disqualify ourselves. But God is saying, bring it to me. As I pour my scarlet cord of grace upon your life, as I pour my blood upon your life, you are going to become even more beautiful. In fact, it's the very reason that you come to me that you have become chosen. And God is going to choose you and God is going to use you. How do we do this? How, how does this happen? I want to, the next point from the life of Rahab is this, and it's the window. You see, the very window that she used to let the spies go through is the very window that she was told to tie the scarlet thread, the scarlet cord upon. Everything that you look out upon your life, I want you to get real with God and see everything, not through your own brokenness or your own weakness or your own shame or your own difficulties or the hands that you've been dealt, but to begin to see it through the blood of Jesus Christ. Anna, what did you say as you took up the offering today about... Um, 
an encounter you had with God when he said and he told you, what's your position on the blood? You know, I believe that that is such an important key for every one of us in our lives as Christians, in our lives as disciples, in our lives as we reach the fulfillment of God's potential for us. What is our perspective on the blood? What is our perspective of the blood of Jesus Christ? And let me tell you what it is. He has done it all. He is sufficient for you. He is enough. He has removed your transgressions from you. He has washed away your past. He has made you clean. You know, every time that we avoid facing our weaknesses, we actually let the enemy win. Think about that for a minute. Every time we come to a place where we, we want to hide the brokenness because of the cracks and because and they're ugly, or we think they're ugly, God wants to grace them with his presence. Every time we hide it, and I'm talking both about the things that are done to us, but also the things that we're doing. We have to come and we give our lives to Jesus and we lay our lives down at the cross of Jesus. And we say, I choose to live underneath your empowering grace of the blood of Jesus. So just like Rahab, she tied this in the window. Every time I want you to look at your life, even this week, I want you to see the blood of Jesus Christ. He's covered you. Every time you look at your life, every time you open the Bible, you might end up putting these on your, your kitchen fridge. You might tie them to your window. So every time you open the curtains in the morning, you're reminded, I am covered by the blood of Jesus. I am not a, uh, someone who's been triumphed over, but I am a victor. I am someone who God has chosen. And let me tell you, does the scarlet thread have any power in itself? Was there something about the thread of scarlet tied in Rahab's window? Or was it the step of faith that she had? Or was it the change in her perspective? Every time she looked out the window, she was going to see that God was making a window for her. Every time she looked at her life, she was going to see that God was making a window of access over her life. There was no brokenness that's too great for healing. There's no distance that's too great for reconciliation. There's no chain that's too strong for freedom. So don't avoid your weaknesses. Let me tell you what else Rahab did. This is going to be a testimony, a, a, a key for us. Is that she, and this opens a window over our lives. She chose instead to prophesy of the goodness of God. When we were reading through that chapter in, in Joshua. What does Rahab say? She's the one who says, we have heard of what your God has done. We have heard how he parted the Red Sea. We have heard how you took the kings in the past and you, you had victory over them. I want you to begin to recount in the places of your weakness the strength of God. That is the window that you begin to look through on your life. I'm, we're going after this as a, as a leadership team, as a church, that there is health over families. Physical health over families. But let me tell you, there is a spiritual and emotional health over families that God wants to do. And, and I'll be the first to say, I'm going to share a story in a minute. I'm not perfect. Wow, you guys are shocked by that. We know, Ryan, that you're not perfect. There have been times in my life where I've had to come face to face with my weakness and bring it to the Lord, even for our family. 
Listen to this. This is, this is a key. Where did Rahab live? In the wall. I believe that one of the things that is stopping many of us from stepping into freedom is that we feel as though we live in the very wall that God needs to tear down in our lives. Think about that for a minute. God, I need you to set me free of this. But this structure is all that I've known. God, I need you to tear down these walls. But these walls are where I make my home. If this wall changes, what will happen to me? And sometimes we choose to live in our weakness because our weakness is all that we've known. Sometimes we choose to live in the place of compromise because the compromise is all that we've known. And we think, well, my life's not all God wants it to be, but it's kind of good enough. At least I've got this much. If God was to really change it, I'd have to let go of these things. If God was to really change it, I don't know what structure I would have. If I was to really say no to those relationships in my life, would I have any relationships at all? Did you hear what I'm saying? I know I'm preaching and there's people, I believe this is a key for you to step into freedom. You can say, just like Rahab, I feel like I've been living in my wall. Let me give you an example, okay? Because this works. Like I said, I'm not perfect. But I'm being perfected by the blood of Jesus Christ. Here's one of the walls that I was living in, okay? And I can say this because my children are in kids' church and the youth are in youth. So it's just, you know, we can have a heart-to-heart, can't we? I met the Holy Spirit at 15 years old. He changed my life. And, and I know that without God, I wouldn't have anything that I have right now. It's all about Jesus. And Anna and I were parents. We have three amazing children. My eldest daughter turns 16 soon. My son's 13 and our youngest is 11. And there came a point last year. We're pastors of a church. We come to church every week. You know what? We actually come to church every day. Does that make us more holy? No, of course it doesn't. You know, and, and we, we have this desire for our children. And, and one of my children at this point in their life, they hadn't encountered Jesus. Now listen, they, they were faithful to what we asked of them to keep coming to church, to keep coming, to keep showing up, to, to listen to us when we read the Bible, to, to, to do what they can to believe the stories. But let me tell you, I can't make them experience the Holy Spirit. I haven't tried because I was wise enough to know that if I had tried, I probably would have pushed them away. But you see, I have realized about this time last year that I was living in a wall of, of um, I was living in a wall where this was good enough. And it was a point with my children that I thought, if I push any harder, I'm going to send them away. And if I pull back any more, I don't know where they'll go. And I'm just going to have to stay here, God. And see, my expectation for them was what God had done for me when I reached that age, right? And so I don't want to put this pressure on them. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to live in this wall. It's good enough. And Anna is amazing. She would say, Ryan, are you praying for the kids? Yes, I'm praying for them. But are you getting any words? I'm like, I don't have any words. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck because I don't want to push too hard. And you know what began to happen? Tony and Melanie invited us to a YFC prayer night for young generation. And I turned up just wanting to support a great, a great couple in our church, probably doing the youth right now. Oh, no, he's on the sound desk. 
great couple in our church. <laughs> and, and I saw the way that these 12 through 16-year-old kids were praying. And I was ignited again that I could see my wall begin to change. I was ignited again that my own weakness in wanting to talk to my children and begin to enter them into some of these conversations, engage them with some of these conversations, needed to fall down because that was my weakness. But God was about to come and grace the weakness that I offered to Him with His redemption. So all that I did, and I took the kids with me to that night, and I said, hey, wasn't that great? And they said, yeah, it was. And I said, hey, why don't we just do what they did every night if we can? So all I had to do was to remember to keep showing up. And before we put them to bed, I'd sit on the edge of the bed. I'd say, hey, let's pray. And normally in the past, you see, this was the wall I was living in. Normally in the past, who would do all the praying? You got it. I would pray my best prayers and say, now your turn. And unbeknownst to me, they're thinking, there's no way I can pray that way you pray, Dad. They're also stuck in a wall, which needs to fall. And so as simply as we could, what is it that you want to pray for for tomorrow? And they'd say one thing. And I'd say pray. And it could have been as simple as, dear Lord Jesus, help me with this person. Amen. Okay, that's a step forward. And we did that day after day after day. Pardon? We still do it now. Yeah, yeah. But I want you to know last year, what I thought was a wall where I was living in the wall, I had to face up to the reality that if I wanted the wall to fall down, I had to get out of it, right? I had to live differently. Both of my oldest kids have been baptized this year. Praise the Lord. And it wasn't me saying, okay, now it's your turn to get baptized because I'm the pastor of this church. It looks really, really bad if you're not baptized. Please, it's your turn. Quickly, just, just to make sure that you make me look good. That would be the worst thing I could have said. But God is faithful. You see, what he does is he comes and he takes the weaknesses that you surrender to him. And even that step takes faith. You know, tying the cord on the, on the window for Rahab. Me saying, Lord, I need you to break through. God is going to let walls fall down. But I want you to know this. If you read later on, I think it's chapter, Joshua chapter 6. We're not going to have time to read another whole chapter, I promise. But if you read Joshua chapter 6, I want you to know what happened. Rahab brought her whole family into the wall. Now, there's another key as well. This is for your family. May the redemptive narrative, the redemptive story that God is weaving in your life begin to pour out upon your family. This is for everyone. Come on, say that. This is for everyone. This is for everyone. This is for your children. This is for your parents. This is for your grandparents. This is for your nephews and your cousins and your brothers-in-law. This is for everyone. This is for your parents-in-law. This is for everyone. This is the window that, that Rahab opens to us. And we realize God can redeem. So she brought her whole family into the room, in the wall. And they all survived. Let me tell you. The wall fell down in Jericho everywhere except for where she was living. Do not let no walls hold you back. God can keep you safe. God is making a way through. God is charting a course through in your life. She opened a window of testimony and prophecy. She recounted what God had done for Israel and it became her window of faith. She made a way for other people. We're still on the window. She hoped she let the spies through on the window. What you do for what you make a way for other people, God will make a way for you. Someone needs to hear that. 
She brought her family into the space of protection that she had acquired. Bring others into God's redemptive plan for your life. She lived in the warm. I'm just seeing if there's anything I need, I need to. No, that's good. That's good. And now here's another point that we can just glean from the life of Rahab, and that's flax. Say flax. What's flax? Flax was the stuff that was drying on the roof that she went and she hid the spies underneath. Flax is the very thing that they used to make two things in the ancient world. They made clothes out of it. They made linen out of it. And they also made rope out of it. Flax, uh, in order to make it red, uh, if we have time, there's an amazing uh, story from nature that God put in this narrative in order to make the color red. But she came and she hid the spies underneath the flax. You know where else in the Bible... A woman hid a move of God in a, in a flax basket was Moses. So here's Rahab. And God is saying, if you take a hold of the redemption he's got for you, he wants to use you to be a midwife and a mother of the new move that he is doing. You're going to take a hold of that this morning, church. Lord, would we become the midwives of a move of God in this area? Lord, would we become the mothers and the fathers, raising up mothers and fathers in our workplaces, in our homes, in our schools? Would you do something with us, a people who are broken, but who are put together by your glory? Because we've taken a hold of your scarlet thread. We've taken a hold of your promise for our lives. You know what? The only reason... I love this, talking about hiding things under the flax. The only reason the spies could go to Rahab's house was because she was a prostitute. They, they knew, people knew that men had come to her house, but it wasn't too different than normal. So they came to her and they said, there were some men that came to your house. They never said to her, Rahab, you evil woman, we're going to put you to death for harboring spies. There are things that God has hidden in your life. Are you ready to be a midwife to it? God is about to birth new things in our lives. I want to prophesy to you, triumph right now, triumph in your life is hiding as a trial. Think about it. What are you facing? You think it's weakness. You take a hold of the redemptive nature, the blood of Jesus Christ, and you say, God, make a window through my perspective. I want to see my trial now as a place where you are hiding triumph. Breakthrough is waiting behind your brokenness. Provision right now, it is hiding in the midst of your problems. Ah, God's empowering grace right now is is mass is in the midst of what seems like exhaustion. I want to speak this too. I just sense that there's a little bit of a, a sense of tiredness that can come upon us. I mean, we're counting down the days till the school holidays. <laughs> Any teachers in the room? Do I have an amen? <laughs> Parents. You know, it's, it's this time of year. Things are coming to an end. We're about to have the harvest. September, we're going to start again. God is going to re-energize and invigorate us. But I want you to know, even in the weakness sometimes when you might feel, Lord, I've given everything. I've gone day in, day out, 
week in, week out, month by month throughout this year, and I'm here at this point now, and I just feel tired. Let his scarlet cord cover you. Let him refresh you. Would you look again? I feel God's presence on that. Triumph is hiding as a trial in your life. Breakthrough is waiting behind brokenness. And provision is hiding in the midst of your problems. God is taking the very things that are hidden right now and he's turning them into ropes for you to access your destiny. The things that the spies hid under the flax. That's the same thing that they make rope with. And that's the very thing that Rahab let them out of the window down the side of the building in order to step into freedom. So Lord, I prophesy new beginnings in the midst of brokenness in your children right now. I speak that, Lord Jesus. And I want to bring this to an end in a minute because because I believe that God has got something for us to activate in our lives. For the sake of us and for the sake of our families around us and for the sake of the areas that where we live in. And I want you to see this. When you take a hold of the scarlet cord, you open your life to Jesus. We're calling Rahab a prostitute because that, that's what the word says about her. But throw up the scripture. Read with me. This is what it says about Rahab in Matthew chapter 5. This is the lineage line, and I'm not going to let it out too much. Just listen to these names, okay? This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Don't worry, the scripture's not working. Let me just read it out. You can turn in your Bibles. Anyone got a Bible? That's a good idea. Don't worry about the scripture, Pauline. Take it off, please. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Here we go. This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. We've, we've touched on those guys already. The pioneer, the settler, the pursuer. Matthew chapter 5, I'm in verse uh, 2. And Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez was the father of Hezron. And Hezron, the father of Ram. And Ram, the father of Aminabad. Ryan, this is a lot of names. Stick with me, I'm getting to something. Abinabad, boy. Abinabad. Abinabad, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Now, her name is Rahab, not Rahab the prostitute, just Rahab. Her name is listed. Let's keep going. Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David. Let me tell you, God takes the weak things of the world, and he actually wants to come and put his grace upon that. It goes on in verse 15. The father of Eliezer, the father of the Maton, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, the father of Jesus Christ. Wow. Let me tell you, when you take a hold of the scarlet cord in faith, you invite Jesus Christ to step into your life. You invite Jesus Christ to step into your world. Jesus Christ comes by his redemptive nature and he says, you offer me your weakness. I am coming to you in my strength. You are offering me what feels like brokenness. I am coming to you in my wholeness. Jesus steps in. We can say we are broken no more. Under the blood, we are made new. We're broken no more. We're ashamed no more. We're trapped no more. We're weak no more. We're outcast no more. And somehow God weaves in the midst of our failures, somehow God weaves his tapestry of grace with our lives. Somehow God takes the yeses that we give him. And there's a yes that we're going to give him today. He takes the yeses in our lives and he turns it into something beautiful. 
Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.